And welcome to the Rugby Bits Podcast, and we are previewing the Springboks, the big clash between the Springboks and Ireland happening on Saturday in the Rugby World Cup. This is a clash between the current Rugby World Cup champions and the number one team in the world. Springboks are 10 and 11 on their last 11 matches. Ireland have won 25, they lost 27 matches. And I've got Sean here, and Sean, I don't think this can, uh, I don't think you can understate this game. This is probably one of the biggest um, Rugby World Cup group matches we've ever had. Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's incredible. It's like it really has World Cup final. <clears throat> excuse me, that was weird. It really has World Cup final vibes about it. Um, almost in the middle of the pool stages, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, yeah, it it. You know, we we always knew this was going to be a big game, and we knew that like this game could really like set someone up to fail um, out of their pool stages. So it's kind of got those vibes. Like if if we're honest, like if Ireland lose it, they're going to be under pressure against Scotland, but we expect them to win it. And yeah, it's just uh, it's just interesting. But flip it, I was trying to think back about not just one v two, but just some really epic big clashes and. I don't ever recall anything being this big. Like pool stages always have like one big game, but I don't think they've had a game like this before. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess the rankings and doing the draw early and all that sort of stuff worked in in favor of a draw like this, which, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the unbalanced uh, groups and all that sort of stuff. But the one benefit is we're getting epic clashes at the start. I mean, obviously France and New Zealand was quite big and now this game is coming through as well. So Sean, I think let's jump straight into it. So we have team news. We have both teams that are out. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. So um, with the Irish team has just come out uh, just before we recorded. So let's start with the Springboks. Big news in the Springboks is number one, they have gone with the seven one split again. Um, the Nina Benrassi revealing Wild. that this was basically that the seven-one split was maybe or they're using New Zealand game to prepare this for Ireland. Um, in terms of personnel, uh, probably the big news is that there's no Dwayne Vermeulen or Vili Larue in the twenty-three. Gubas Reinach has won the race to be the reserve scrum half. You have uh, Marco van Stad and Quaha Smith um, with Jean Ken and Achi Sneiman joining the bench. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> I, I I tweeted that the more that this um, Jacques Nienaber era is gone, the the less I believe I know about rugby. And I know we talked about this on our group as well. Like the Springboks or the Springbok coaching staff are just killing podcasts. Like, I mean, people listen to us because they at least believe we know at least a little bit more rugby than they do. But I, I'm not so sure about this anymore. Yeah. Um. Just so everyone knows, uh, Rugby Bits has been put on fraud watch by <laughs> Tyler. It's, um, I agree totally. I think, you know, there's always method to the madness. So uh, we probably can expect uh, Jacques Ninaba and Rusty Erasmus podcast coming soon um, because they do know what they're talking about. But yeah, there's so much that's happening. There's so much, like, as you mentioned, we were chatting about this and I don't, I don't feel I don't think we're isolated in in feeling the way that when we look at this, we're just like, shit, I don't really know what's going on. Like, what was the plan? How long has it been going on for? I think everyone is kind of scratching their heads and we're all very much excited to see what happens. I didn't expect to see 7-1 against the tier one. Um, I Jared actually mentioned it. He suspected we'd do a 7-1 against uh, Tonga 
in the final pool stages for us. I'd never in a million years saw it coming out here. Um, I'm still very interested by it. I think it's still a lot for us to learn. Obviously, it was easier for us to integrate from a 5-3 to a 6-2, and I'm talking about us fans um, and pundits. And now trying to do the 7-1, uh, we're all looking at the problems, um, and we kind of can see the the value in it. But, yo, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know how to unpack this. It's <laughs> going to be fun, though. On the quickly on that that Reinach inclusion, mm. I find I, I I think Reinach's better a better kicking currently kicking nine like his exits were incredible the other day. Yeah, his uh, scrum half um his scrum half ability is really good. I'm been super happy with him. He's really just kind of distributing and and sending it around quickly, making looks very calm over the ball. Um, Williams doesn't not look calm and his kicking is okay. But I thought that Williams had a better run on wing than Reinach did. So I really thought that if we were ever going to do a seven-one, I thought Williams would probably get the inside line. But I mean, you've got to you've got to pick it on 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 scrum half vibes. Um, so yeah, very interesting. And Dwayne, sure, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I think this is cooking. No, he's not cooking. He's getting into form, and he he mm. had a decent game. But Dwayne. Definitely should be in the match day twenty three, especially if you're naming seven forwards. <laughs> it's not like it's not like we've removed a forward and put an extra back in. Like we've named an extra forward and Dwayne still doesn't make it. But I think he picked up a little knock last week. It looked like he picked up a knock early and didn't see him himself. I think he might just have something light. Okay, so much to unpack. Let's let's start with um, just the seven and. And how that might be used. I mean, yeah, I think as someone said on Twitter, this is probably the first time that there's more fascination about the bench than there is about the starting team. Yes. Um, yes. Sean, it's yeah, obviously there's a few moving parts here. Like obviously the first time we did the seven one split was against the All Blacks. And in that case, we had both Malcolm Marks and Morgan Bonambi. As we know, Malcolm Marks has been ruled out of the Rugby World Cup. So there is still that question, and now it's going to be the big test for the hookers. And I say hookers in plural because we have both John Fourier and Marco van Staden that might maybe interchange. Who knows what happens there? But my thinking on on at least the seven is, firstly, of course, we now have Ox and Trevor Nyugane scrumming, you know, as good as they have in, in the last few years. So... I th I'm sure they'll be um, introduced into the game as early as possible. I w someone was talking about maybe starting with Trevor and Ox because Tide Furlong is a taller um, prop um, and Dan Sheehan is a taller hooker, but Sheehan is on the bench. So you can sort of target them by with a bit of height. So that's going to be quite interesting. Um, you have the two locks, the Munster men with um, Achia and Jean Klein coming on. Obviously, this will be a quite emotional match for Jean Klein in many ways. And then you have the fetches. And yeah, that's the focus, I think, of this um, seven is with Dion Fury, Marco van Staden, and Koha Smith, obviously the, the tactic is quite clear in trying to slow down Ireland. And obviously, rack ball and rack speed, that's probably going to be the winning and the losing of this game. Sean, yeah, so how do you think, do you think the, the box will sort of bleed them in? How do they balance the whole Bongi Banambi thing? Will Bongi play 65 minutes? Do you think we'll see all seven come on like we did against New Zealand. Yeah. What, what do you, what's your thinking on this? 
We're going to see a change here. Um, Bongi's going to go a little deeper, um, but I do think that the props will change up as as normal. Um, Bongi will go deeper, and then I think Dion will come on, and then Marco will will stay uh, on the bench for a little bit as kind of like a backup. Mm. Um, just you know, kind of what they did um, last week, where they both Dion Fury and Marco were on the on the field, and they both scrummed at hooker and then they both scrummed in the Lucy's and they both threw at the line out. So it's obviously Dion free is obviously the, the second choice hooker and he's there. And then I think Marco is there as backup. Um, and obviously he really has upped his game this year. Like he's really forced his way back into the Springbok setup and match day 23. I don't think anyone can complain that, had this this injury to Marks not happened, if Marco van Sarden was on the bench, no one would complain, to be fair. You know, like I, I still think that him and Fury probably wouldn't have made matched at 23s if everyone was fit. So, yeah, it's much of a muchness, but no, they're not going to bring all seven on at once. Um, it would be crazy if they did. <laughs> uh, it would be flipping wild. Um, but yeah. Props on first, then I think they're going to change Bongi when he's emptied the tank, and then they'll just manage the rest accordingly. You know, um, yeah, we're in for an interesting time. There's just so many questions. <laughs> they're only going to be answered at like what half past eleven on Saturday yeah. night when the game's finished. And I think it's it's there's so many like ways of thinking about this. Like just thinking about it in terms of set piece. Um, Cooks and and Short in the pod earlier this week, I think, broke down obviously the strengths and the of you know trying of or the the issues with the box trying to pick um the front row with the same height so that you have like just better consistency with the scrum. So Dion Ferry makes more sense with the bench um props with um Ox and uh, uh Trevor Yagane because he's basically the similar height as them. So he probably maybe will scrum more in hooker. And obviously he's scrummed at hooker before. He has obviously played hooker um, and was interchanging between those two positions until relatively recently. And in the lineout, I think the lineout has been maybe not talked about as much. I mean, the starting lineout is fine with Franco Mostert. We still have him there. Even Itzabeth has come back um, from from his uh, injury that he had in Scot against Scotland. So I think we're good to start. Um, the bench lineup to be interesting because Achis Neyman hasn't, I mean, he's only called the lineups, I think, in that Romania game and maybe a little bit in the All Blacks game when he came on and not too many times before that. And there's no um, Dwayne Vermeulen this time around to help him steer the ship in the lineup. And they have a possibly a, a new hooker coming on. Um, so it'll be interesting how they adjust there. Um, because even with the loose trio, if um, if I assuming it's Colisi and um, Visa that come off, you probably only have um, the two locks, maybe Quacha and maybe Peter Steff um, as as potential jumpers and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be quite interesting how they manage that because Ireland's lineout obviously has been historically quite strong, and you're gonna they're going to be tested uh, in that as well. But yeah, I think the three fetches thing is so um, interesting and exciting. It's a clear thing that the Springboks are trying to make sure that Ireland has as few three-second racks as possible. They did really well with that against Scotland. Like, Scotland barely wow. had any quick ball. They Everything was slowed a full down. second, eh? 
they had a their their ruck speed was a full second slower than ours. Oh my goodness! And it was you watching that game. It was quite clear that the Springboks that was a focus number one. They really tried to make sure that Scotland didn't get much go for it at all, and they did it. I think in two ways. Firstly, by putting Finn into contact a lot, so that he had to always he had to sort of get himself into position all the time. Ireland, that's less of a concern. Obviously, you don't want Johnny Sexton up and about the whole time, so I'm sure there will be a similar tactic. But, you know, with the likes of Keenan and Hansen, um, those people are also ready to play in a playmaker role when, when needed. And then the second thing was they were, let's say, uh, tactical in how they got out of the rucks. Like, a few slower rolls, a few, you know, just making things a little bit difficult for the scrum off to clear. So, Obviously, Ireland, uh, the focus should be on trying to clear the bodies of the Springboks as much as possible and not drawing many people because Ireland's whole strategy is to make sure that they only have maybe one or two people in the ruck so that the other 13 are all in that intricate um, attacking shape that they have. So when you now are looking out for Van Staden and Furry and Kwaka Smith, never mind, you know, Damien Dialendi and, 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 or other players like that, that's going to be a test for the, for the Irish in, in, in the rucks. Like, it's almost, for me, Sean, I think this team is almost built to get a lead in the first half and to then defend it in the second half as Ireland try to, you know, almost run from everywhere to to try and come back. Like, this is a, almost, if you want to use football terms, it's almost like a Park the Bus Jose Mourinho special of, if we build a lead here and then we have those three fetches coming on, I don't know how you're going to get back into the game. Yeah, um, I'm not a massive fan of that because we're not always guaranteed to to of get course. that lead, um, especially because we haven't really hit it in the we've hit it in the first twenty minutes, but we haven't scored a lot. But yeah, we we are very. It's interesting, and it's there's no doubt that we are going to have Smith, Van Staden, and Fury on at the same time. There's we're going to have it at least for the last 20 minutes um, or last 15 minutes. And it's going to be chaos. Um, I'm very interested to see what we do with our defense. Um, we, we have, we've got our, our, our foundation defense and everyone is familiar with it, but against Scotland, we were hyper aggressive. Hmm. We were really pushing up into those passing lanes. We were coming up very, very hard Um even like coming up, like doesn't matter if you miss, just just disrupt. And we scrambled well. Um, that one break that Darcy Graham made, um, against Scotland, you know, uh, mm. in Scot the Scottish game. So we, I don't see us doing that for the whole game. I do see us interchanging slightly. Mm. I, I see us ramping it up. I see us slowing it down. Not passive, but I do. I do see us slowing it down slightly. Um. Uh, because I don't know, did you did you watch that podcast uh, with Big Jim Jim Hamilton when he interviewed Ronan Agara? Mm, mm, brilliant interview, Ronan Agara, uh, brilliant! It was incredible. If anyone gets a chance, please, um, it's twenty four minutes or something. Please go and and watch it. It's it's outstanding. Ronan Agara talks about um, our rush defense, and he says everyone's making a mistake by trying to get outside the rush defense in order to breach it. His philosophy is you can only break a rush defense by going through the middle. Mm. So you've got to, you've got to be pushing at, uh, he called it flailing arms. 
And we do that a lot. If you think about it, when we come up, like the arms are up because we're in the passing lane trying to disrupt the pass and stuff like that. And he says, that's where you've got to target. So I don't, I don't think that that philosophy is new. It's just public to us now. But, you know, obviously Jacques Ninaba, as a, as a defensive coach, you've got to be, have a very good understanding as an attacking coach as well, because you need to understand how people are going to try and breach your defense and how you break them. So we are in for some fun. And as mentioned before, it's a clean slate now. Everyone's starting a brand new something on Saturday night. We are going to be talking about a new system, a new something, a new plan <laughs> of attack or something like that. We all have to go back to the drawing board. And yeah. And th- and that's also, I'm sorry, I'm I'm waffling a bit here. No, go on. I also feel we are going to be unleashing a little bit more of our World Cup plan. This is the game we do it. Like we need to... Our World Cup plan, whatever we we've been working on, because we've everyone's got to be bringing something somewhere, something different, like, and and this is going to come out now against Ireland. We've got to test it against Ireland, and then we'll probably work it a bit against Tonga, and then it's playoffs, and then you've got to like then people have to start like adjusting to it or and whatever. There's got to be something new that's coming, and uh, I think yeah, well, may it's how stupid of me. Maybe there's something new the seven one. Like here it is, ta-da! Yeah, look, I, I I'm not. I've I think I've decided to try to stop figuring out what Rassi and Jacques are planning. Like, <laughs> it's it's probably better for my health. Uh, I, you know, Sean, you know what frustrates me a little bit is that I thought I like not not necessarily just for podcast, but you know, this is now a rugby world cup where I feel like I know my rugby now. I know how things work. That you know, there's so much access and so many good sources of you know, how rugby world cups are won, analysis on different teams, strengths and weaknesses. You can look at trends and graphs and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, <laughs> you know what, I know more or less how you win a rugby world cup. You're either consistent and just very good for at least a two-year period before the world cup, as, you know, Ireland and France have been in this case, or you're the spree box every 12 years and you just go on a run. <laughs> and the cheaters win the curry cup, eh? And the cheaters win the curry cup. Don't so, forget. I was like, okay, I mean, the box now, the thing that they've got going for them is that they're consistent, even though maybe the results haven't been fully on their side. They know they're 23. They know how they'll play. Most teams can't really do too much about it. They just need a few variations and plan Bs when things... Did you say the box know they're 23? Well, that's what I thought before. Um, oh, I got you. Because now, now we know we know three of our 23s. <laughs> like, that's the... Bo- it's bonkers, man. Yeah, and sorry, I apologize. Yeah, no, I, the point I was going to make was exactly that. Like they've just flipped the script so much, and it's genuinely. I I can imagine. It's 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 interesting how Ireland have reacted to that. We're going to get to them just now, and they've just gone cool, great. We see what you're doing, nice, but we're going to continue with our plan. But I, I'm sure they because also, they don't know our plan. Which no is one fair. knows our yeah. plan. No one knows. So you're like, well, what are we going to try and do to counter this? Uh, no <laughs> idea. So let's just be us. You be you. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting how this will all pan out because as I think people like AP Kronyev said, like if this works in the Springboks, obviously go far and win this World Cup. Like number one, I think this is probably the greatest World Cup ever to win, especially with, you know, the players unavailable for the box and the opposition they'll probably have to go through and all this kooky stuff that they're doing. But 
it also just will reinforce that I clearly know nothing about the sport and I should follow something like cricket or darts or something like that, that maybe I, I'll have more of a chance knowing. But it's things like this, like when in a World Cup do you go, hey, you know what, if let's say we have an injury to our backs on Saturday and just want to talk about the backs quickly, I don't know how many tweets I've received about yeah, it's fine if Kirill gets injured. We'll just put Damien at 13 and then put um, Willemse at 12. Then we'll put Corbus Reynach at wing and then we'll put Quacha at five and, and all that sort of stuff. And just like, it sounds like Matt's equations, what we're going to do if one of our backline of one of 10 of 215 gets injured during the match. And obviously there's always a chance of that happening. And that's not obviously how usually a World Cup team wins. A World Cup team has options, but they know who their first 15 is. And it's relatively predictable. Like, how they're going to punch you in the face if, if you want to talk about it like that. <laughs> and the box now are just like, yeah, who knows? It's just vibes here. So, yeah, like with the back line, there's obviously all that risk there. And my question is, yes, we have, I think pretty much everyone in that back line can play multiple positions. Five can play nine and 10. Lubbock can play at fullback. We know how Damien Willemse can cover everything. Dukes can cover the centers. Krill can go on the wing. Colby and Aronson can go to fullback. Um, Colby can still go at scrum off, I uh, hear Nick Mallet saying. And Corbus Reynach can play at the scrum off and wing himself. Is it, it, this is the thing for me, is are we going a bit too galaxy brain? Like, again, to use a football terminology, like there's always that thing about Pep Guardiola in a big match. He'll almost overthink tactics and he'll put a striker at defense and all that sort of stuff. Is this almost too galaxy brain and too much variety and 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 versatility for versatility's sake, or you know what? In uh, over a month's time, we're going to look back and just be like, okay, well, rugby's changed now. <laughs> we all need to do our homework and study how <laughs> this thing works now in yeah. the future. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, for any new listeners out there, uh, welcome. But I'm like relatively conservative. Mm. I'm like, I want my left wings to be left wings. Like your 13s must be 13s, stuff like that. But this is taking Eddie Jones's numberless backline to a whole new level. And there's one injury on this. There's one replacement on this in this backline where you don't make multiple changes. But everywhere else is um, two to three changes with the sub. Of which those two to three changes will inevitably inevitably mean that probably fifty percent of of those changes will be playing out of position. I think Damien Willems is the only one that can really say that he'll play in position at ten and at twelve. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting, but we. Everything the, the script was flipped in 2019 in a in a big way with um you know Rassi Rasmus taking over the director of rugby role and then the head coach role in 2018. It was no ways we we're gonna turn that around and win the World Cup. No ways. He said that the defensive system will take two years. He said this and that. Makazulo Mapimpi still in the opening game, didn't didn't he was getting better at his at his defensive role, but he wasn't nailing it. He nailed it from the next game onwards. Like that's how that's how the 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 script was flipped. Now we're flipping it again, and we are flipping it in such a chaotic way that it's just there's there's no we've never seen rugby like this. Like not even at club level do you see rugby like this. And like you know what I mean. Like not even in in the tens. Um, and it's it's interesting, but we've learned so much 
since Erasmus and Co have come back since 2018, because it's been a bulk of that crew that have pulled through to now uh, from a coaching perspective. And we've learned that we've got to trust the process, but you know, you can only trust it and you trust it until it doesn't work. And it's kind <laughs> of like a, a big thing happening. Like it's the world cup. So yeah, I think we've been under a lot of pressure, like 2019, I wouldn't say it was a lot of pressure, but there was a plan that was happening and it, and it worked. The, the lions was, was under a lot of pressure. A lot more has happened us going into this world cup. We weren't great. Like we weren't great leading up to this. We were worried about Ireland. Now all of a sudden, with even with all this chaos happening, we are all very quietly confident. Ireland and South Africa. Ireland we should be confident. They've been cooking for a while. But we have been like up and down the whole way. We haven't really buried and put it in and put like six great performances in a row together. Mm. You know, we are not those Springboks, but we come right when it's needed and it's starting to happen now and we're all quietly confident i think we're also very interested to see what happens it's sure i don't know i, I really don't know <laughs> yeah sean we are in for an epic game and to look at now the opposition for saturday island they've picked their side as as we've said um the highlights of the team is dan sheen is back into the 23 he's on the bench um, Ronan Kelleher starts probably better for this scrum because I think Sheehan's been like can can doesn't scrum as well as Kelleher does and give support to Andrew Porter so that means Porter's always like scrumming like sideways basically so that actually might be a good tactical move that's worked out for Ireland in that way because of how Kelleher is good in the set piece and obviously having Sheehan coming off the bench is scary. And more or less the 23 you've expected, Ian Henderson is the reserve lock um, instead of um, Joe McCarthy and Ryan Baird is, is on the bench because Jack Cohn is not. That's a player, huh? R Ryan Baird. Ryan Baird. Oof. I rate him. He's There's really, two really players good. on that bench, Dan Sheehan and Ryan Baird. Ryan Baird has really impressed me this year, like really. Mm. And um, he he covers multiple positions and he gets through a lot of work. Dan Sheehan, that's a future World Player of the Year. We mm. we are lucky that he's only coming back off injury, and we're unlucky that he's playing in our game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's no disrespect. Like I, I don't want the guy to be injured, but yeah, his his injury has has been good for us. He's he's dangerous. Him starting, I'd I'd be scared. I really would mm. be. Like he's an absolute weapon. Sorry. Look, um, I was just going to ask you, and you've kind of gone into it now as well. What are the either personal matchups or things in the game that you're watching out for with the two teams well, out? One, Bundy Aki is cooking. <clears throat> we all know Jeez. I love my centers. If I didn't talk about the centers, then I'd, I, it would be my call for help. I've been kidnapped. So, <laughs> um, yeah, definitely Bundy Aki versus Damien Delaney are going to be massive. Like, those are two massive 12s. They are two, like, Go forward 12s. They're two great defending 12s. Um, Damien Delaney maybe disrupts the ball after the tackle a lot more. I don't know, but they're, they're dangerous. So that midfield battle is going to be going to be huge. We also saw how big the midfield, um, how, how much our midfield mattered against Scotland. So so there's that. Um, Mac Hansen coming in, uh, like coming into play second playmaker is going to be fun to watch. I predict um, we're about to lose almost all our Irish listeners. I do predict that Sexton's probably going to get either penalized or yellow carded because we are going to send big boys into his channel and he, he tends to tackle quite upright um, when when some big lads come down 
down his lane. So, but worried uh, for him on that. Um, yeah, other than that, that loose trio battle is going <laughs> to be incredible. Um, all five of those loose trio battles are going to be wild. Um, there's, yeah, there's, it's going to be crazy. The The thing for me, I'm really looking forward to how she and how the, the, the replacement front rows for both sides do battle. Um, that's something for me. I'm not too um, brushed up on, on actual like scrummaging techniques and stuff. So I will, like you mentioned that, that Sheehan's probably not the best scrummage of the two hookers, not saying that he's bad, just not the best of the two. Mm. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing how that, how that unfolds. And the other thing is Jack Crowley coming on. Um, I'm mm. super happy that he's getting a look in. Um, he's really the last two years in, in his life have been <laughs> something quite crazy. Um, but yeah, he's gonna, he'll very likely come on and Connor Murray, you know, I had a sneaky suspicion he'd start. Yeah. Thought the kicking, uh, that bombard our, our back three, but, um, he will bring it on, uh, and bring the kicking game on in, in the second half. We've got two massively contrasting styles that are, are, are playing their own game and and banking on their own game winning as opposed to reacting to someone else's game you know mm. um like for argument's sake like Ireland maybe naming a 6-2 or even a 7-1 which i didn't think but a 6-2 they've never done it well not never done it but well maybe never i don't know but they've hardly ever done it like 5-3 has been their go to forever yeah and everything's happening now there are plans in place and i think it's all about who's going to get to dictates how the game works in their favor and that's all going to be about the forwards and it's all going to be about those big big collisions in the midfield and then it's going to open yeah look i think for me just very quickly on sort of the matchups look out for the rack speed that's going to be big obviously island are the king of the rack speed the king of the efficient racks if island gets more than 60 percent at least um of three second and under racks that probably means that they've won the game um, as you've mentioned, Bandiaki is going to be big in trying to straighten the Irish um, attack. As Rona Gara said, you don't go around a rush defense, you go through it. And I think Aki will be used as an inside ball with the wings um, just to run off Sexton and, and just to get a bit of go forward and momentum there. So Aki versus Dame Delaney is going to be ep epic. You've talked about the loose forwards. They're racking. I think you have four of the best rackers in the world <laughs> on the field with Peter Steph, Colisi, Doris, and Van der Fleer. Yeah, and I think the David Kilcoyne is the reserve um, lucid prop. I can't see him playing more than 20 minutes. If he has to play more than 20 minutes, Ireland's in trouble. Um, because, yeah, I can see him getting cooked by the Springbok Titans. So, yeah, Andrew Porter has is to Is Tom O'Toole injured? I, I, I don't know. That's a very interesting... Yeah, I, I, I was expecting him on the bench. Uh, I'm happy he's not playing. <laughs> I, I, really, I really feel he offers a lot more he offers a lot at scrum time and that's really where you want to take the spring box on and not necessarily go and cook the spring box but you want to kind of hold your own i think i think he's very good but again i, I don't know a hell of a lot about scrums but i think he's quite handy yeah so those are things can be quite interesting does Ireland use the inside ball? Do they kick more? Are they going to target the the shorter wings that we've picked with Colby and and Kurtley Um, 
those are things to to all look out for. But Sean, we've only got a minute left, unfortunately, and we need to make some predictions. Are you? I, I'm going to go Ireland because you. I can't see us beating the best team in the world without marks and um and Pollard. Obviously, is not coming. Is is not back. I think it's going to be close, but Ireland for me. Yourself. I hate I hate these. I hate going against my team, <laughs> and I hate saying my team's going to win. I think the books sneak this. Yeah. Look, I think either way, it'll probably come down to the last minute, and we'll we'll see how that goes. But. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our preview. We're going to also record uh, a, a podcast looking at the other weekend matches as well. And yeah, we're very excited for the rugby coming up. Thank you so much. Bye.